Thank you for joining us at the Realtist Real Talk Podcast. I am Amber Lewis. And I'm Rob Pastor. And today we have Phyllis Dickerson, CEO of the African Americans Mayors Association. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for So let's just start. What is the African Americans Mayors Association? So we officially call it AMA. Okay. But it is a 501c3 that we advocate for policy on the federal level for mayors. So we represent, we are unapologetically black. Mm -hmm. So it is only black mayors that can join our association. We represent over 500 mayors around the U.S. from big men and small cities. And so we advocate for policy on the federal level. We do some training and development. As you notice, you've seen a movement of under 40 black mayors. Yes. Yes. Training and development. Uh, you know, they have what they need. And we that. definitely share best practices between our cities. That's interesting. So how, how old is your organization? So we only got developed in 2014, but before that, it was called the U.S. Conference of Black Mayors. And before that, it was called the um, U.S. Conference of Southern Black Mayors. So okay. back in the days when Congressman Vinnie Thompson was a mayor, mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. Was, he was a member of that. Back in the day when Mayor Jackson was around and, and um, Mary Berry mayors, they were right. members of the U.S. Conference of Congress. Okay. okay. So then you see it evolve to where you have it now. Okay. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Because I have seen, like, young black mayors yes. being elected across the country. And I have to kind of shout out Cleveland, Ohio, because we have Justin Bibb, who is under 40 and a young black yeah. mayor. Cleveland. So we're representing. <laughs> you have Mayor Johnson out of Milwaukee. You have St. Paul, Melvin um, Carter. You have Little Rock, um, Frank Scott. So you have like this movement of young black men. Regeneration. It's not just a moment, it's a movement. Yes. 100%. That's interesting. So it's like Toledo, I mean, from Toledo, Ohio, we have had two black mayors. One was elected, three, I take that back. Two were elected and one, um, she was appointed um, because our mayor passed away. How does a, a young black person balance the issues of the city as well as the issues of the black community? So we always, I always tell people, I'm a former mayor, chief of staff. So let me put on my chief of staff hat for a second. So my mayor was a white male. And for the most part, white men or black male mayors don't have black female chief of staff. It's just an uncomfortable place. So even when I was in that space, they would be like, what do you do for him? And I would be like, no, chief of staff, like, why is that impossible, right? And so, but the balance of the weight of the job is heavier for a black mayor because the expectation is different. We, you know, we've experienced it. We've all been stopped by the police. I don't care if you're a male or female. Um, we've all had those uncomfortable, you know, situations there. Um, I always tell the story about one of my friends. He called me one day and said, I want to know why they pick up life of Shaz and then pick up mine. And I said, oh, hold on. And he didn't know I was in the office with the mayor. But I said, mayor, he wants to know, and he, I called his name, why did they pick up the white people's trash in his, in his all white neighborhood and I pick up his? Wow. And the mayor picks up the phone and said, Man, is your um is your coach being black? And he said, Yeah. 
Sometimes it is even perception. Mm-hmm. It's nine tenths of it. And so we we go to church with each other, we go to the same grocery store, we grew up in black. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people they're like, Did you see me? And when we have black mares in this situation, they know they are seeing me. Yes. So but they want the problems resolved even quicker. And there is no crystal ball. Right. I don't care if it's a black mirror or a white mirror. Right now, public safety is a number one issue, and so is mental health issue mm-hmm. um, post COVID. And so, with that in mind, but they think it's a crystal ball. But if you are a bad parent that raised a child that is not responsible, how is that the mayor's fault? That's real. I mean, and so we have to be really honest with each other. And so what we have seen, even from a public safety standpoint, we had a gun summit in New York with Eric Adams. And one of the things that I said was, we got to have a main detail moment. So we are talking about these AAR-15s, but we're not seeing what they're doing to our children. And so most people don't know, these parents are identifying their children by the shoes they have on or their clothing. That's hard. Which is just like a maybe to a moment. Because remember, it was his ring that his father gave him. That he was wearing as she knew that was her son. And so with that in mind, who will be maybe? Because when when we have the next mass shooting, you know what we'll see? Flowers, teddy bears, and the picture of what they look like before the shooting. Mm -hmm. But we will never see the devastation of the time. And that's big. Gun violence is running rampant. It is running rampant. And it's like, what other solutions? But they look to the mayor. I see on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Facebook is crazy when it comes to talking mm-hmm. about mayors. What's the mayor doing about this? But it's like, what, what really can a mayor do? Right. And I always ask the person that asked me that. I said, what's your solution? Mm-hmm. What's your solution? When somebody walks in a church or school or grocery store or whatever, because I was in a city that had a match to it. We had 21 or 22, but we didn't have any loss of life. But it is a horrible feeling to get that call at 2 o'clock in the morning or even the middle of the day to say, we just, we just had a match Yeah. It's a horrible feeling as a man. Because more than likely, especially if they were all black, they probably know those people. They know somebody in the group. Absolutely, 100%. So taking us to, I think, the Shaker Report also for today, I, when I think about what we learned, we were at 50% and we've gone back to 45%. We know that we can affect a change and we have some calls of action for the future. What do you think are going to be kind of the the nuggets that you take back to your association, share holistically with your mayors and say, okay, how can we come up with a strategy to also be a voice of this change? So as it relates, as it, as it relates to home ownership. Yes, right? black home ownership. So, so um, we just got a grant. Okay. That we're going to put together economic mobility institute. We're piloted with nine cities that represent almost half of that high population. So there. Wow. Okay. One of the pillars in the institute is home ownership. 
And and so we are also going to teach the young people like you that when you inherit that property, mm-hmm. don't necessarily sell it just because you don't want to live in it. Mm-hmm. You you can you can have heirs property and teach them how to use that heirs property even for financial benefit, whether it's Airbnb. You know, some people. I, I'm originally from Arkansas, so you have a lot of inheritance as it relates to farmland or rural property. But you don't have to farm the land; you can lease the land, mm-hmm. and you can still benefit it from from mm-hmm. it financially. Because in, in your age group, a lot of people don't want to sign a thirty year mortgage, and that's okay. But how can you keep and maintain the property still, mm-hmm. even if it's an Airbnb? In, in Arkansas, we have the, uh, deer camps. Make it a deer camp. You know, make <laughs> wow. it a deer camp. Those kinds of things are recreational activities that you can still draw income from. And so we will be creating this economic mobility institute to talk about home ownership, how we increase the, the numbers in these particular nine cities, and then heirs' property, wills and trusts, debt reduction, student loan elimination. Those are the kind of things that hold us back from home ownership. And when we address these things with the mayors, it's almost like a toolkit and a pilot. So we have a big city represented, mid-sized cities and small cities so that we cover the gamut mm-hmm. because the issue may be different or the barriers may mm-hmm. be different depending on the city, especially if it's a more rural city. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, you may not have a land bank commission. So how do you create one? Um, and those are the kind of conversations that are real conversations. you got to remember, if you're under, you know, I'm almost 60 now, but if you're under 40 and you're a brand in there, you probably won't because you're an activist doing um, Black Lives Matter and, and things like that. But what, what you have to remember at the end of the day, they don't have all the answers. They're coming in with just the knowledge they had from the campaign, right? So we have to give them, and that's that sharing and training and best practices. So NARAP is on our business council now. Um, so. we, we are also advocating for our cities that we represent to put one neighbor member on each one of their um, land bank commissions because then you bring oh in different boys to awesome. the table because not only is it is it imperative that you be on here but you help us to institute policy mm-hmm. so like in, in in certain cities not only do you get to buy the property out of land bank mm-hmm. but you got two years to develop so you're not holding that property hostage mm-hmm. but there are other cities that these, these people just buy up the land mm-hmm. and they don't do anything with it so in New York true. they do some yeah. out of the box thinking because they're landlocked guess what a lot of people didn't go back to church churches have the most property in New York so guess what they're doing they're having developers go in by the church allow the church to still have space in the new development and then create housing and retail on the top levels that's that's a really big thing uh, specifically in Ohio and Toledo Mm -hmm. Ohio is the land bank is, is I'm not gonna say it's a point of contention, but I do see disparity in the fact that all right, there's a process to the land bank, and the land bank has an application process. They do a background check. They want to know if you have um, what what other properties you own, any back taxes. They want to see what you're gonna do to the property. Spell it out literally, line by line, letter by letter, what you're gonna do, how much you're gonna spend, where you're getting the money from, who's gonna do the work, and so it creates a situation where a lot of people can't get through that. So. Um, the land bank in one of our neighborhoods in Toledo, Ohio, is called the Junction neighborhood, which is majority black. The land bank is the majority landowner in this this neighborhood, but the people in the neighborhood aren't able to get through mm. 
the process, but then you have people like the mayor saying, oh, invest in this neighborhood. It's like, what are we, is this gentrification? It's gentrification. Right. And, so, and we, don't, we don't talk mm-hmm. about it. And so until we get the right people at the table, mm-hmm. then you mm-hmm. can address what those issues are. Another issue that I just talked about on the panel that we don't address is gentrification. So it's nice that you come in and put a new development here, but you also just increase Mrs. Jones' property value by $80,000. So now her property taxes go up because you don't have her locked in at a certain age. There are cities where she is grandfathered in to her lower tax rate. So when you come in for this multi-million dollar mm-hmm. development, it doesn't affect her, but it does increase her property, even though it does increase her property value. It, it works toward her benefit, mm-hmm. which should always happen. Mm-hmm. But she should not have to struggle to pay her personal property taxes when she already paid her house off 30 years ago. Come on now. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's real. Things. Toledo, we call it a homestead exemption. We have homestead exemptions, but wow. So, I mean, I think that's, that's a very partner or powerful potential between AMA and NARAB, you know, because mayors are in a position to execute and create policies and also execute on them. And NARAB has the information and best practices from across the country. And it's not just just it's not just NARAB and AMA. It's also on the federal level with Secretary Fudge. Mm-hmm. When we say, you know, we're not talking, we're not talking about um, citizenism in the right way as it relates to housing. So where am I supposed to stay when I get out? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so if I can't stay in public housing, then where am I supposed to stay that I can afford until I get the job that I need to be able to pay for my rent or lease or home ownership? It's those type of questions that Secretary Fudge gets, because guess what? She used to be the mayor of Orangeville, Ohio. Absolutely, yes. So she, she speaks the language. Mm-hmm. Secretary Boudreaux in transportation, he speaks the language. Mm-hmm. Secretary Wash in labor, former mayor, he speaks the language. And so when we put the right people from the federal state and local level in place, mm-hmm. then we can start to really penetrate where the obstacles and barriers are and, and, and speak for the Ms. Joneses that feel like they don't have to yeah. Well, in closing, what do you think are things that Realtors members can do to undergird their local mayors? So I think that what we're going to create long term um, for this next year with NARAP is this housing toolkit. Mm-hmm. So we can mm-hmm. pass it on to the mayor who can pass it on to their staff person to say, listen, this is not going to happen unless we check these boxes and put this in place. And it has got to make sure it encompasses the big city, which is the cities like New York, LA, Chicago, and um, Houston, which may be landlocked. Houston, not so much landlocked, but when you get to New York, they're mm-hmm. landlocked, so they're like sitting there like, okay, we're we supposed to put new housing. Look at that church right there. They out of the box thinking when we talk about there are not as many kids in public school. Well, then if we condense them to a different school, uh, down to a different school, can we use that 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 land where that school was and do a whole new development? So we have got to be more innovative. And as black people, we've always been innovative. That's not new to us. Mm-hmm. We just have to make sure we have a seat at the table. And so when we're talking to our mayors, help them because they're, they're dealing with trash and planning and parks and recreation yes. and they're juggling a whole lot of places trying to make sure none of them fall but if you give them the, the um, playbook then they can hand it off to somebody to execute and if you help them monitor the person that's supposed to be executed and say look 
you know, you know, you have this land, like you, you establish it. But these people are just holding this property and they haven't developed it. And they said, and it's like, oh, really? Because he may have taken his eyes off the ball, right? Yeah. And then you said, you need to put something in place that they have two years to develop it. So, so help them um, manage themselves. I always say inspect what you expect. Mm-hmm. And so help them inspect what they expect. I like that. Well, Phyllis, we appreciate you for joining yes. us. Yeah. We're excited for the partnership. We're excited Absolutely. about what's to come. Sounds like a great, great product. I think that the program that you're creating is going to be, in my opinion, something that's needed. I mean, going back to undergirding and having younger mayors, they don't know what they don't know. And you have to lean on the people that do. And it's a partnership. And we want our communities to thrive at the end of the day. And that's what's important. Right. And for the first time in history, we represent the top four cities in the U.S. Top That's four. so powerful. That's awesome. New York, L.A., Chicago. That's only the beginning. Only the beginning. It's only the beginning. 100%. Well, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome.